0: Uh, let's invite the Lord to guide this session today. Father, we just uh, celebrate who you are and a great, incredible privilege that we have to be your children. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to change and transform our lives and empower us and commission us to be about the same of bringing the good news of Jesus to the last family on this earth. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us, leads us into all truth, and comforts us and convicts us, and we pray that you would be faithful in doing all of that today. For everyone that's here with their particular agenda, we pray that you would minister to them and reveal to them more your will and your way and and your purpose for them. And uh, may we leave today having been edified and encouraged by being in your presence and sitting at your feet. And we pray this in the strong name of Christ. Amen. Uh, in case I forget I'm going you'll see in your uh, handout at the end a number of resources and a lot of those are web pages which it's wonderful the time and day we live in that you know I don't have to bring you 30 resources and you can't see any of them or take any home you'll be able to find those and I trust that you'll uh, take advantage of some of those excellent ones that are web pages. I have brought some things here on the table that are uh, things that uh, Again, you may be aware of, you may not be aware of, but uh, I hope you'll take advantage of that. i give you a, just a paragraph about myself. I mentioned my wife Becky is here with me. Becky, hey. Uh, we've been enjoying a pilgrimage for about 38 years called marriage, and uh, they're still working on her forklift that's going to put the crown on her head, having endured me for all these years. Uh, but uh, we've had the joy of meeting at Asbury College a few years ago and went to the mission field for about 24 years and uh, served uh, with Dave Stevens, some of you know our CEO of uh, Christian Medical Dental Association. He and I were actually childhood friends. His parents and my parents were colleagues and he actually introduced me to Becky at his birthday party when I was a lowly freshman at Asbury and uh, not long after that we headed off the mission field. and. About 11 years ago, Dave knew that we were making a transition and talked about a position at Christian, Mission, Christian Medical Dental Association, and that's when uh, we came on board uh, and have been involved in seeing some of you who are familiar and been a part of CMDA know that it's been sending out short-term medical, dental, surgical teams since really about the 60s, and it's morphed over the decades, and about the last 15 years took on the name of Global Health Outreach. And uh, we are now sending about 50 short-term medical teams to 25-plus countries, uh, about a 1,000 people going out with us. And uh, if there's anything that's begun to transition in our focus, has been uh, getting, I guess, back to the basics. And I'll talk about that here as we start out in philosophy. But uh, as I've been a missionary kid, my parents... Uh, were missionaries for about 40 years and was raised a missionary at home. Hey Rod, you get to sit up on the front seat, you're late. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and have been involved in missions and continue to do so through CMDA's ministries. Uh, I'm sensing that we've almost done everything except the last thousand years about except go and make disciples. Because I think if we'd have gone make disciples successfully, we'd be home. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we have programs, we have plans, we have projects, we have lots of things. Uh, and the Lord is helping to redirect us through uh, different ministries that are focused on discipleship, of how we take, again, even short term uh, mission outreaches and bring it, as it were, under the captivity of the Holy Spirit and the passion of of Jesus Christ, whose last words were what? Go make disciples. So as we go through this uh, presentation, uh, I hope you'll catch that that's at the heart of what we're trying to focus on. And you've got places there for notes. Uh, I've changed these a little bit, not too much, but most of it will be what you see on your handout But I would like to just uh, take these seven points as we look at best practice and short-term medical missions and uh, give some attention to each of these. And and as you may know, uh, this is all we do at Global Health Outreach. So hopefully we're doing this uh, as best we can and we're getting better at it. And there's some of you that may represent ministries that are doing the same thing. But uh, we're realizing this thing is evolving quickly. There's lots of things we need to relearn or learn better. There's some things we need to eliminate and start over. And uh, so I think it's very important that we understand the philosophy of ministry. We give a heavy emphasis to the whole thing called partnership with local host ministries. We only go where we're invited. We only go where there's people on the ground that are going to have a long-term impact. And that's kind of one of our sub-themes is we know we're having a short-term uh, trip, but how can we have a long-term impact? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about preparing, recruiting your team. What are the local host responsibilities? Talk about the clinic week. Some extra things you might do uh, during that clinic week. And then an area that we often don't do real well. We do a good job sometimes preparing, but we don't do a, a good job, as good a job as we should, when we come back and re-entering. And how do we apply what we've learned and been exposed to? So I would like for us as a group, hopefully, that we can own together uh, this idea of short-term missions. How do you have a long-term impact? And uh, the long-term impact that we're talking about is with our host people, obviously with the patients that we're going there to share not only health but hope of healing in Christ. And then we also put a strong emphasis on the team members. How can we have a long-term impact with them? And, of course, one of the ways that that is possible is always cooperating with some sort of local church, local entity that's on the ground and is going to be there long term. And so that becomes a priority. And, of course, the goal of using these medical, dental, surgical teams is often to open doors. And we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between going into an open country or to a limited access or closed country uh, because those look a little bit differently, obviously. But how can you use these for uh, evangelism and and especially the focus of discipleship? Uh, One of the groups that I refer to here uh, in the resources is a ministry called Downline out of Memphis, Tennessee, and they've been partnering with uh, some of our teams for the last four or five years, and they do some some tremendous basic teaching on this whole Matthew 28 Great Commission concept, and uh, one of the things that as a missionary kid and as a missionary, I never heard un, or, uh, unwrapped for me the concept of all those verbs in the Great Commission, there was only one command. Does anybody know what it is? It is the verb make. All the rest of them are not commands if you go back to their orig- original language. And uh, you and I, by virtue of being sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, what do we do? We're always going. You don't have to tell a person to go. Just watch us. You wandered into here for some reason. And we're just always going. And if you've made a disciple, what do you need to do? You need to baptize them. You need to teach them. You need to instruct them. You need to show them the ways of Christ. But what we haven't been doing a very good job at, I think, for the last maybe millennium or almost two, is make disciples. So how do you use a medical team to do that? Well, one of the other components I think that's very critical for uh, a, a, a philosophy is that we go as servants. And for North American trained and raised and reared people, that's not very easy for us. Maybe it's one of the reasons one of our books that we suggest you read. Uh, if you're going on a team in different years, we emphasize different books. But this was a great one for uh, doctors to read, Humility. Uh, which the subtitle is, True Greatness. And again, Jesus' model is none of his things make human sense, do they? If you want to be greatest in the kingdom, what do you do? Become the servant of all. And so uh, if we can go, and often uh, U.S. medicine is the gold standard around the world, and people will be in lines for hours and sometimes days waiting to see you, because you've got the latest and the greatest, it's very uh, impacting for the first thing to the doctor to say is, how can I pray for you? Because they weren't expecting that. It's like, give me medicine, do surgery, do something almost uh, divine-like. And when you default to the only one that's going to do the healing today is Jesus, uh, that is already demonstrating a servant attitude. And uh, we've lost this as a discipline in the church, but there are some denominations that are still committed to feet washing. Anybody ever been in a feet washing ceremony? It's one of the highlights of my life. Being exposed to Mennonite denomination and and on some of our GHO teams, we've gone and and washed the feet of the the pastors that we're serving. Uh, Kind of as a, a leveling device that you're there truly to serve. And then how do we become also a learner, uh, certainly of biblical uh, principles on humility and cross-cultural se- sensitivity? There's so many things and so many ways we can do harm by not being sensitive to the uh, cross-cultural issues. And uh, if you aren't preparing your team or if you're not preparing yourself to understand the country you're going into and some of their worldviews, you know, from how you shake hands to how you sit down, how you don't expose your soles of your feet to, you know, men-women relationships and so on. We can go in with great hearts and great intentions and end up just innocently and ignorantly doing a lot of harm. So uh, if we go as learners and try to prepare ourselves. And then the other greatest thing that I think that happens when we have a philosophy like this is how do we empower and enhance the ministry that's there on the ground long term and one of the things I try to encourage uh, working with our local partners say at the end of this week I hope nobody remembers GHO but I hope they all remember you and above all I hope they remember Jesus Christ because we're like nothing in this thing but it's all about exalting the name of Christ and how do we then enhance and empower the local church and the local ministries and these people are very very important I hope again that Uh, As you look to lead teams or go on teams, that you find people on the ground that you will partner with and have a long-term relationship with them as the Lord would lead you. And that, of course, is involving these different entities. And one of the groups that's often overlooked is the local physicians and dentists and nurses in country. And in many of those countries, there are believers, and they're anxious to partner together. We can learn from them. Part of our medical orientation for the team, we ideally always want to have a national doctor to come in and tell us what are the uh, issues of this country that we're not used to facing? And what are the treatments and what's available? So if we're not availing ourselves to the local professionals, again, I think we've done a disservice and are not enhancing the potential ministries we can have. And then for the patient to come in and see kind of a, a kaleidoscope of what the world looks like, and it's like, well, do I get the Asian or do I get the Caucasian or I get the Latin? who No. This is what the family of God looks like, and we're all providing medicine. It doesn't really matter who you go to, as a local doctor or someone else. We're here to serve you. And so how can we reinforce that by the way we approach the clinic? One of the great uh, concerns is this thing of how do we go to serve without creating dependency issues. And one of the resources that's in your, uh, at the end of the handout there is the whole website that has to do with Glenn Schwartz, who's one of the speakers here. But I hope you've read and are familiar with uh, the passion that God has given him and that he's trying to impact short as well as long term missions. And let me just cite one little favorite example of mine, uh, that I got from reading one of his articles. And it's about the North American church that went and built a church building. And again, I think we almost need to redefine what does church mean. Did you hear Donald say this morning? The church is defined as what? Just a bunch of us, right? And you think you're in a church right now, but you're really not. You're just part of a church. You understand what I'm saying? We we so confuse brick and mortar with and calling it a church. No, we're the church. But this North American group went and built a physical building. And about a year or two later, they got a letter from that host group Saying the roof on your church is leaking, and we wonder when you're going to come back and fix it. I mean, that is so sad. And I think the last thing we should ever do is build someone else their church of brick and mortar. You understand what I'm saying? And we're still doing that. We're on teams with, on planes with other teams. Where we're going to go build a church. Well, when the roof starts leaking, are you going to go back and fix it? Because if it's theirs, it should be in an environment where they feel comfortable, that it's their church, that they built it, that they funded it, that they're going to maintain it and keep it. And there's so many things we can do, including in short-term medical things, that we create dependency issues rather than empowering them and em- embracing what God has given them. And if you read some of... Uh, his stories that he's done research around the world, some of the most unlikely people uh, have some of the most amazing stories, including widows and orphans raising millions of dollars. How's that for an anomaly? Because widow and orphan should have nothing to do with what size God you have or what resources He has. We just say, oh, they can't do that. Who says they can't? So are you running this through the filter of how do we go to serve and empower and not create dependency issues? I just got back from working with a team in Jamaica. Uh, one of our partners is Prison Fellowship International. Most of you are familiar with Prison Fellowship. Uh, and they have chapters around the, the globe. And one of our goals is to go with them, serve them, partner with them. And this was our second year there, and, and uh, we were hoping it was going to be our last because part of what we're doing is also work ourselves out of a job, right? And so from the beginning, they laid down the foundation as we combined together for this input that we'd do a one- or a two-year project with the hope that the local Jamaican physicians, dentists, nurses, pharmacists, pastors, local churches would own the vision with us, and then they would say, please don't come back. And so they more or less officially said to GHO, don't come back next year. You know, that was really great news. Why was that good news? Because they're going to do it on their own from now on. We partnered together in the vision. We partnered together. We shared how there's some resources they can get in country. There are churches that will support them. They just need to mobilize their own so that now they're having a ministry with their own inmates. And, uh, by the way, if you've ever had the privilege of ministering in prisons, you'll meet some of the best Christians in the world. And there's a historic foundation for that, right? Name some great prisoners that are part of our heritage. Paul. Paul. Who else? Peter. Silas. John the Baptist. Baptist. Any Old Testament creatures, characters? Joseph. Daniel. I mean, you know, you're among good people when you're in prison. And uh, some of the stories that you will hear of people who've been transformed once they're there uh, you're robbing yourselves of great opportunity. You don't go have ministries locally in your own prisons and jails and so on and much less around the world. Uh, we try to put a, a significant emphasis, though, on preparing our team uh, spiritually. I have some of the books listed in the uh, resources at the end of your handouts. You have some of those there. Uh, but I don't think we do enough or can do enough, really, on preparing a team to be united, it's amazing now with email and Facebook and texting and, and phone and conference calls and Skype and so on. You can do wonderful things even though your team, which ours typically are scattered to the four corners of the U.S. and we all meet in Detroit or New York or Miami or L.A. or someplace and all of a sudden take off. You can already be acquainted and be prepared with one heart and one mind. And uh, so we put an, a big emphasis on that even including fasting. Many people, that's another lost discipline in our churches, and it's a great way to get a team to get focused and and priorities uh, straightened out. So uh, I encourage you on that. Uh, Our teams probably average between 20 and 25. I'm just throwing out a number there. But if you're looking at recruiting a team, uh, and I used to tease with my former boss, Dr. Sam Malin, who many of you know, I would say, Sam, you're the worst team leader model there is. I'm going to get out of this before my new boss fires me. But because he's an oral maxillofacial maxillofacial surgeon, he's a gifted man of God. And so the ones that I look to find, I need a medical director because I'm not a physician. I need a dentist because I'm not a dentist. And ideally, I want to find a pastor who will come on our team, and then I'll just – kind of be the orchestra leader, and about three days later, I'm going to find a siesta and a hammock and come back on Saturday and see how the clinic went because you just delegate it all out. Well, Sam could wear that one hat for all of them. He could do it, and he has many, many times, not because he wanted to, just that's the way it worked out. But I think one of the greatest things that we can show to our national partners and to our team itself is to see this team of, of leadership, delegated leadership. And so if you do have a dental component, Obviously, if you have one dentist, they're probably the dental director. You know, it just works out that way. Uh, but if you have more than one, then somebody kind of needs to be the boss and organize and get them in sync and certainly setting up the clinic and operating the clinic. The same goes for the health providers. And then, again, we put a big emphasis and even have, uh, ideally in all of our teams, a spiritual director, which often is and can be a pastor. And you see some of the other then components that uh, make that up from dental assistants and pharmacists, nurses, physical therapists. And we uh, always try to recruit a significant portion of logistics. We need helpers, gophers. I am like the number one gopher on the team. Look at my credentials. I have none, but I can go for this and I can go for that. So sign me up as a logistics person. And so, uh, and those again become a way to demonstrate the body of Christ. Those of you who have been on teams and seen where you come unknowns to an airport, take off to a team, and on day two, I dare you to take one person out of your clinic and see what happens. And it's like they're all so critically needed, and it looks like the body of Christ. And how does that happen? And that's a great experience. If you've never been on it, or if you've never been a part of seeing that happen, only God and His Spirit can make those things happen. Of course, your best people in registration And helping with logistics, crowd control, and even this big emphasis, again, we put up on on counseling, evangelism, and discipleship follow-up are your national partners. It only seems fit if someone leads someone to the Lord, what should they begin doing with them then? Discipling them, following up. And you and I may be anxious and want to do that, and that's fine and great, but who is going to do the follow-up? Same reason why you need a national physician or a national dentist. If that person had a particular heart extraction, they're going to need some follow-up, or they're just recovering from a little minor surgery, or if you're on a surgical team, you need to have people that are there, they're going to provide that follow-up, and that's why we want to complement our teams and be one with a national team. Some of the just nuts and bolts, of course, are setting a budget and working on that with your national partners. What's going to be involved in travel? What do you agree on are the expenses that are going to be in country? Uh, one of the biggest challenges is getting a formulary. Uh, many countries, that's getting harder and harder. We send a number of teams to Mexico. Mexico, if you go through the government, if you go legally, I don't know how you go, but if you go, you cannot take any pharmaceuticals now into Mexico, none. You can take surgical equipment, you can take surgical supplies, you can take instruments, and most of those you probably be bringing out. But if you can buy it in Mexico, they expect you, and you have to. So those are increasingly getting more and more complicated and most countries are requiring now a 12-month a out date. used to be that, you know, pharmacy companies would donate things that are close to expiration, but now no country will let you in with those uh, out dates or near dates. So that becomes a challenge. Uh, I see there are students in here and others that uh, may have concerns about how do you raise your funds. And uh, for how many students? Are there any students in here? Let me just tell you, if you will tell your family and your uncle and your aunt and your church that you're going on a mission trip rather than to Cancun to the beach. Now, we go to Cancun on our way to somewhere else. But uh, if that was your end destination, they find out you're taking your spring break to go on a mission trip and now I'll go get drunk and do everything else everybody else does. It's like, well, there's my favorite you know, nephew or niece. Sure, I can help you. And uh, we've got some of our regional directors here with CMDA and area directors. Uh, they will tell you that students, if they put themselves to it, they can raise money. Uh, we find doctors who go multiple, multiple times, and they'll get people to support them because they can't go, but you can go on my behalf, and I want to be a part of that. A lot of the times it's you have, not, why? Yes, yeah, it's not. So family and friends, you need to get your local church behind you, even civic groups, Certainly you need people praying for you and and have that kind of foundation. Uh, I've got a sample formulary up here, and and there's other groups that are working on this, but certainly you need your medical director and your pharmacist working closely together to to know a little bit about the country and what are the issues facing there. uh, Most formularies are pretty generic and can be applied to, to most countries, but they obviously need some tweaking. And then depending on the size of your team as to the amounts you'll need to order, Again, I'm glad I'm not a medical director or a pharmacist. That would just probably take me over the edge. But you find people who that's their expertise, and they'll do it and do it well. Uh, Some little things make a big difference on a team, and the the health providers that are here know that, uh, you know, just be nice to know if this woman has a urinary tract infection, and that's pretty simple to provide. But if you didn't think about that, you have not, again, because you asked not, or you have not because you didn't take it. So what are the little things, a lot of times not very costly, that you can take to make a compliment, uh, again, to your team? Dentist? any dentist here? The lowly Mott there. We laud you. We need more and more of you guys. Go out and recruit all your colleagues because we're still sending out teams without the first dentist. And often the greatest blessing that can be done on a medical team is not by the medical providers but by the dental providers. So uh, we need more of you, and we applaud you and appreciate you. But they can tell you that extractions is one level. When you get into restoration, then that ups the ante in terms of equipment and and uh, instruments and so on. So, uh, But many times we're going to places where that's really more what they need. Uh, and so be just prepared for that and know the resources. We give you some resources there to contact how you do that. The other thing that has a big long-term impact are community health teaching. We have a a booklet down here. Arnie Gorski is is the author of this. And he has strict copyright laws on his material. And they are this. If you're going to copy it, do it right. Because he wants the information out. There are no copyright uh, restrictions on it. But the idea here is to train nationals with this simple community health material to empower them to use it as an, an easy, natural outreach of a local church. They can go every week into a different little community and just do basic, common hygiene things. I don't need to tell you medical profession know that most people die from things that could be prevented. And so it's all about education. Again, you can be there for a week, but how do you train a layperson, maybe a nurse or someone, and give them the materials, these things, you can go online and, and, and uh, print them out. And, again, it's it's all free and available. But this is how you can go for a short-term and have a long-term impact. I can't overemphasize enough the power of community health uh, training and, and so on. I was talking to an uh, occupational therapist who was by our booth yesterday. Wheelchairs, uh, canes, uh, walkers, some of those things are literally life-transforming. I remember I was taking a wheelchair down to Ecuador And a lady had been in an accident like 20 years ago and had both legs cut off. And she was still getting around on her. And a wheelchair just transformed her life. And you and I see them in our setting. It's like, well, that's just a wheelchair. And so many world places and Johnny and Friends and other ministries have those available. Uh, So think about that. But ideally then have a physical therapist who's going to go help that person get the things fitted, and become a long-term blessing to them. Uh, Just a little caveat to that. uh, We took a a physical therapist with us and her husband from Alaska. They took all their kids, and they took uh, ten wheelchairs. That was their tech bags. And they told their kids, you can take whatever you want. It just has to fit in a backpack for a week. So the kids wore scrubs all week because that's all they had. Mom and dad said, the wheelchairs are going. And so we went down there, and she had prayed about, Lord, place every one of these right where it's supposed to be. The last wheelchair that we gave out was her mom's. Her mom had died, but it was specifically, you know, like a one-handed wheelchair operation. The last patient that needed one, guess what? That's what they needed. But what the the remarkable part of the story is, about the second day we had a man come up and say, uh, so you're just giving out the wheelchairs? And we said, yeah, we're trying to bless as many people as we can. He said, well, what if they break down? Or what if that person's injured and in a week or a month or a year won't need it? Well, we hadn't thought that far. He said, well, actually, we have a little foundation as a part of our church ministry. And if you would like to, you can consign them all to us, and then we'll sign a little contract. doesn't mean anything on a piece of paper, but their signatures there. And if you need this for a year, you have it for a year. We'll help you maintain it, and after a year you get healthy and you don't need it. We're going to see that it gets to somebody else rather than you sell it or you put it in a warehouse or forget about it. And so those people came to us and say, this way we can empower local people and make sure that has a long-term impact by empowering local people. They came to us with that idea. So where we go now, it's like church. We're bringing five wheelchairs, but you need to set up a little ministry to where you're going to maintain them. And if that person doesn't need them after a year or five, you're going to see that they go on and get used. So, again, we're learning from our national partners how to do this even better. Any of you done reading glass clinic as a part of your thing? As a lay person, for me, I think that's a, that's, that's got to be the most fun. For 60 cents, you can change a person's life. Uh, i give you a resource there. Uh, Shark Eyes out of L.A. sells those to... People for about 60 cents a piece. Uh, and what a great way to testify and to, te- and to give testimony. A lot of people want it because they can't read their Bibles. Other people want it because they can't do, you know, manual labor or sewing or whatever. But uh, all the stories about Jesus giving sight to the blind and helping people to see, it's a great segue into uh, evangelism and, and testifying to people. I think I'm going backwards here, am I? Just seeing if you're awake. Uh, One of the things that, again, I'm preaching to myself and to hopefully the choir, but, again, we can just do medical teams because our church wanted to do a medical team, and that was the end of the story. That's all that got us going. That's all we're doing. Don't. Why are you going where you're going? The people are hosting you. Why do they want to do a clinic here? And if you're going to come back next year, why? Is it strategic? There's limited resources in, in your domain in mind and God he's unlimited but he's smart enough he doesn't give us all of his at one time so are we being strategic and working with our national partners again asking them to work with us what are the long-term goals and purpose and how do we do this to advance the kingdom enhance the kingdom plant churches grow churches uh, open up doors and close countries are we being strategic And, again, this is what we do. We do 50 of them, but we go uh, with a blessing and the approval of local governments. And uh, several times in El Salvador we've gotten hit, uh, not because – well, actually one time we did something bad. Here's some dirty laundry. Is this being recorded? Um, Our medical director said, now, make sure you don't take any Sudafed-type stuff into El Salvador with all their gangs and mixing drugs and so on. Well, someone thought they were doing well, and someone gave them some stuff right at the end. They threw it in, and they went through all the medicines, and they found the Sudafed. They wanted to send our team leader almost to jail. It was, they took it so seriously. Uh, fortunately, we worked with national partners. They intervened. We had to count all the pills twice. It was about eight hours in the airport going through everything to prove what we had and what we didn't have. And the name that's at stake is our nationals, not ours, as much as theirs. They live there every day. They work there. They minister. It's their name, and they're representing the name of Christ. But we register ourselves so that we're there with their blessings. But in El Salvador, twice we've been, as it were, victims, uh, where another group, they happened to be from Europe, came in and did some cleft. Uh, palate surgeries and they had a couple fatalities. So they just painted the same brush to all groups and they would not let one student be in a consult with a physician. And that's why we take our students so that they can be mentored and have an attending. But they just freaked and said people were here unqualified seeing patients. So we had to tell our students to go on a Sightseeing trip that day <laughs> because they said we don't want to see a student on the premises. Why? Because other people didn't follow protocol, and we were one of other groups that suffered the consequences of that. How many of you would like to know where customs and immigration people are end up in the time of eternity? <laughs> we need to pray for them. God loves them all. We don't know how He can, but He does. Uh, Because he loves us, that's why. But uh, the best way I can encourage you, and we're doing about 25 countries, and they all have different requirements and so on, is to be proactive and try to be ahead of the curve. But they will throw you curveballs that day that weren't in play the day before or the week before. Uh, Mexico, again, is almost our most challenging. We just sent a team there last week, and now they wanted us to go to a Mexican consulate in the U.S. and get them to give us a letter of approval for what we're going to do. And they didn't know, like, why did they want a letter from us? I said, you tell them. Don't tell us. We're just passing on what they told us. And we got it at literally the 11th hour, and the team got their through their stuff through. But this thing is so dynamic and so changing. Uh, Nicaragua, we have a big presence down there, and they want everything, 12-month out, out dates. China was a time we couldn't buy, take any medicines in there. They've changed that. India, I'll just make a little parenthetical insertion here. Uh, we go with the blessing of the local government and the local authorities, but they say don't tell the federal because they will put you through all the bureaucratic and you'll never get to us, and so again... Am I saying, singing the right song? Here's our team leader here. If I say it wrong, they'll correct me. So, again, we're going under authority. They tell us which authority to go under so that we can make this happen and be effective where we're going. We could spend a whole hour on this this next one, security concerns, and we will in just a minute spend a few more minutes on it. But uh, how many of you have used their interpreters? They literally make or break your clinic. You ever tried to uh work in your language and they don't understand you? Sometimes you go to a place you need two interpreters. That gets fun. You ever wonder what actually got back to you when you found out what the complaint was? It's like playing the gossip game almost. You had a hangnail, I thought you said you had a hernia. You know, it's like that's a little bit different. Well, one of the things we try to encourage is promote volunteerism and, and our interpreters have a uh, have a kingdom mindset. A lot of them, that's how they make their living. And so we need to be aware of that. Again, you need your national partners to be the wise brokers as to whether they're volunteers or if they're being paid and they're being paid an appropriate wage. Uh, And again, depending on where you're going, but the ideal is to have a a believer because there's so many times during your clinic setting that it's going to go into a spiritual consult. And if your interpreter is not attuned to the Holy Spirit and doesn't even know what you're talking about, then you just have a limited uh, ministry possibilities. But we're sometimes going to countries that that's why we're going there, because there aren't any believers. So you got to deal with that reality and know how to work through it. Uh, again, we strongly emphasize that our nationals are the ones who do the best job at evangelism, at counseling, obviously the discipleship and follow-up. And and if uh, you need promotion in some places, uh, they use the radio, they use Word of mouth, they use tell a woman, just a lot of different ways <laughs> you can. See, Becky's not here. I'll deal with this later, I'm sure. Uh, but And then sometimes they know the, cl- the setting you're going, they don't almost want to publicize it because they know they're going to get swamped. And it's like, why would you want 2,000 people when you can't handle the 500 that are going to show up anyways? So, again, you need your national partners to know best how to promote this and how to do it. And all the logistics and, of course, uh, travel, lodging, meals, water. If those don't work, it doesn't work, does it? How many of you like to be sick on your trips? Isn't that fun? Anybody been sick on a trip? How many have never been sick? That's because you've never been on a trip. Okay, just <laughs> kidding. No, thank God that you haven't, but your time will come. Uh, just, I don't want to go over these too quickly, but we do have limited time. Uh, again, it depends on open or closed countries as to who you're dealing with and what are some of those concerns. Uh, I cited two examples here. The police, when we go to El Salvador, our host since 12 years ago, 13 years ago, uh, in an El Salvador uh, country and government worldview, it's cheaper for them to assign two or three full-time policemen to our team and everywhere we go, they go. Rather than try to get one of us get kidnapped, and then deal with that aftermath. We don't ask for it, but our national host says this is not going to work unless we have a police group to go with you. It's very embarrassing when they get in their little pickup with their little blue light and you go through every red light in the city. And you just close the curtains in the bus so they don't know who's in there because if you were sitting in traffic jam and that guy went by, you'd be cursing and doing a few other things. But, you know, a traffic light and a stoplight are what? Sometimes the most dangerous place for something to happen. So they know what's best in China. We always have a public security bureau person going with us to make sure we're not doing things we're not supposed to do. Of course they're a great person to love on. And uh Saint Francis of Assisi is attributed with saying, By all means preach the gospel and if necessary, what? Use words. And you can love on these people. And uh we had a uh we work with uh they call them barefoot doctors, but village doctors that want to have some further training, and they often go with us for the week or two weeks. And where's my medical students again? We had two fourth-year medical students going on a China trip, and these guys were just like fourth-year medical students. They were all over the patient. They were passionate. They were detailed. They were everything, everything, everything for two weeks. And this village doctor is watching them for two weeks, and he cannot figure it out. What in the world drives you guys? Why are you like that? And they even did a presentation of medical school, how medical school works in the U.S. compared to their medical education for, for physicians in China. The last day, Sam says, everybody on the bus, At a certain time we're leaving. Well, of course, these two fourth year medical students aren't on the bus. And they've gotta go. And when it's time to go, you gotta go, right? Team leaders? How many team leaders? It's time to go, you gotta go. He has to go looking for them. What are they doing? This village doctor cornered him and said, I don't know who you are, why you are, or what you do, but what you have, I want. And they're leading him to the Lord. So he let him be late. And they got on the bus after they finished business. But we can just, by our, our, who we are, the character that we represent of Jesus Christ is a testimony. And there they couldn't overtly witness. But this guy says, I've been watching you for two weeks and I, you don't make sense. And hopefully as Christians we're kind of like Donald we're idiots. We don't make sense because we're answering to a higher calling, a higher calling. And someone that drives us and motivates us. What's the most dangerous thing you can do going on a f- clinic around the world? Getting a car or a bus. How many love your bus rides in other countries? <laughs> What is your favorite hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, or are we there yet? We there yet? I don't, is that a hymn? They probably sing that at Southeast. I don't know. Yeah, she's from Southeast. Uh, a simple way to keep track of your team is a buddy system. And I always have that spouses can't be buddies because they're always lost together. <laughs> so you have to be somebody else's buddy. But quickly to find out if you're all on the bus, if you're all here, you're all there, get a buddy system and make it work. Uh, in terms of uh, groups that we use, and I encourage you all, if you're taking a team of five or a team of 50, that you make sure you've got some insurance coverage. And uh, here's a couple of resources for you. Uh, as a team leader and as a, a local church, if you're sending out a team or a ministry that's sending out teams, do you have some crisis management plans that you're prepared to follow? Uh, we send teams like you do to places that maybe the State Department doesn't recommend you send somebody. They do not recommend you go to Haiti. Did you know that? Uh, of course, they don't recommend you go to Afghanistan. Some of you and us, we go to Afghanistan. It's like, well, that's not really recommended. Well, okay, now what do I do? So what are your plans? And our, my brother here was Sozo so in the ministries. They rely on the local people to know the situation. They're, sometimes they'll call and say, it's too hot in Kabul. I'm sorry, we've got to cancel the team. So the team doesn't go that year or that six months. But they know what's going on, so is it safe, and what does that mean? (laughs) But, uh, again, are you proactive? Have you got an idea of what you do if some of these things happened? And a lot of times we don't think about this. Uh, One of the safest places I think to go, because I grew up there as a kid, is Honduras. Well, we sent a team in there about a year plus ago. And they landed on Saturday, and our host said, we're going to pick you up at the airport and take you three, four hours away because the next day there's supposed to be something happening. We don't know what. And so wisely, they picked them up at the airport and took them off. Well, the next day is when they deposed the president. That was good thinking on our host. We got out of Dodge just in time. Well, the next week the plane was over. They're supposed to come back. And they said, we don't think it's a good idea for you to come back to the Capitol. Well, we happen to have another partner. Or we have a big focus in Nicaragua, so we sent our Nicaraguan school bus to the border. They took their bus to the border. They walked 100 yards, took all their stuff and left one bus and got on the other and left out of Managua. Well, that was the day he tried to come back, and they had the airports closed and fire trucks and everything out there. It was chaos. I'm thinking, this is Honduras. I grew up there. This can't be like this. Don't expect Anything to be normal anywhere you go, because you never know what'll happen to you, right? Of course, I'm telling about the team where you're going next year is the same place. So, and uh, will, I mean, uh, Bill Reichert, our team leader and area director for uh, CMDA, uh, he was on that trip, and then he went with me on a trip where we had earthquakes and, and follow-up shocks, and then he went on and his, his other first trip was there was a fatality, and he said, "What's a normal trip look like with GHO?" And when he went uh, the next time, there was, it was a Haiti earthquake follow-up visit, but they would already had the earthquake, so while he was there, there was no earthquake. He said, this was an easy trip. Uh, anyways, be prepared. You have to be thinking proactively. Uh, during the clinic week, some of these things are a little bit obvious, but uh, how are you going to orient your team leader? Working with your local pastors, the local physicians how you set up uh, the specifics of your medical clinic and dental clinic. Uh, some groups even have little layouts. But if you're meeting primarily in a school or a church, you always just have to adapt to the situation. Uh, ideally, when you're setting up a clinic, it's nice to be behind a gate or a fence because if the public is unruly and they're unruly outside, you can keep your clinic going. But uh, we've had times where they've busted down the door and, Just they flooded in. They don't want to wait anymore. And uh, so you need to have security people with you that are maintaining the gate. And, uh, again, the local people are best to know how to register. They're best doing the counseling and evangelism. Some of our teams set up a prayer room. And every hour somebody else comes to the prayer room and is praying for the clinic day. Others, we do prayer walks. And there's someone taking a baton and going around the premises praying. Before the clinic starts, during the clinic, uh, most of us don't understand or appreciate the spiritual warfare that's going on. And many times the nationals will tell us, well, you didn't know, but we fasted all this week because you had no idea where you were and what was going on in the heavenlies. And you're glad they are. And we need to be more in tune to that and be involved with that as well. Uh, talk about it. the gatekeeper. You need to give that guy or those people a big hug and take them out to lunch. Because they've endured more abuse than anybody else in the clinic, the guy that's keeping the gate. That is not a fun job. Uh, again, the importance of having a quieting area if you can for counseling evangelism, uh, how you organize your consults with specialties if you have that. Uh, often a way to reduce a lot of stress on the pharmacy is that every station have your basics, prepackage your pills. Have your analgesics, your vitamins, your worm pills or whatever. And if that's all they need, they don't have to go to pharmacy. And you can take a lot of headache away from the pharmacist. Uh, we also, as I said, do the community health training, often have a reading or sunglass clinic. Uh, and, again, you want your local people to be as involved in all of this, and, again, for the follow-up. Our spiritual development, and, again, uh, depending on how... Uh, Thorough, you want to look at this, but we have team devotions every morning and evening. We have our our volunteers, our our participants lead the morning, and then our team pastor, the team leader, does a more in-depth one at night. Uh, Sometimes some of our groups want to have accountability groups, and they'll get up in half an hour, hour early, and the men will get together, and women will get together. We don't sleep on our teams usually, as a rule. Um... and then it's very important when you can, and sometimes you don't control all your schedule, but to have an evening debriefing, kind of a grand rounds, and then that can lead into your evening devotions as you talk about God sightings, how you saw God show up on the different aspects of the clinic. Uh, if you have a lot of logistics people, sometimes we even do a little mini VBS. I'm sure some of you have kind of done that. We also have started offering, and you know, I told you about uh, some of the ministries uh, with Go International, downline, that we do pastors' conferences Again, we think how a short-term team can have a long-term impact of speaking, teaching, loving, and learning into the lives of the local pastors and people that we're working with. A lot of times they want to do music or drama. And again, all this stuff that's done by the locals is best. And then we try to all, always recognize them with a special dinner at the end. Uh, some of our teams where we've done this for years, they've turned the tables on us, and now they do a special dinner for us. And we say, no, that was not the purpose. We wanted to thank you. And it's kind of like, well, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, thank you. Like, okay, let's just give all the praise to the Lord. So that's what we end up doing. Uh, it may be appropriate with your local uh, pastors or your translators for a, a gift, uh, sometimes as simple as a baseball cap or a CD. Uh, again, the emphasis on them doing the follow-up, both from medical, dental, surgical, as well as in a discipleship. And then with your uh, team, it's important to have a final debriefing. Uh, We even have a little re-entry booklet devotional that uh, helps prepare people as they go back. But who are the best people to help you process your week when you get back? It's your team members. And you can do that by phone, by text, by email, if you're from the same local church. How do you process that week? And uh, in our little booklet that's up there, it talks about some of the emotions that most of us have. If we've been the first time or 20 times I still kind of get angry going into Walmart when I come back. Why do we have to have 550 selections of cereal? You know, And why do we have to have so much to keep us so unhappy and you just left a country where they have so little and they're so content and joyful? And we spent about a lifetime trying to process that. Certainly your family, uh, your home church, or people that can help you and accountability issues as you grow. But I think one of the things we have to deal with when we come back is the whole Acts one hundred eighty He says, be witnesses where? And I think it's all of these, but you can't skip what? Jerusalem. I always, Becky knows I tell this story, and you've heard it maybe those of you have been here before, but I don't want my neighbor to see me packing up my car headed to the airport and say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going on a medical team. Why do you do that? Well, I'm going to go tell people about Christ. Well, who's that? I'm going to Ecuador. I'm going to Ethiopia to tell somebody. And I haven't bothered to tell my neighbor. It's Jerusalem. It's Judea. It's Samaria. It's the uttermost. When you come back, then how do we apply it here? Through local outreaches, inner city, under... Insured clinics, Native American communities. We heard Rick and what they're doing with Memphis. Louisville has its own opportunities here. How do you get involved? Some other things to help you take to the next level. How many of you are familiar with the Saline Solution? It's available at the CMDA bookstore. Uh, It's a a teaching, a training that we have live conferences as well as on, on DVD. On how to share your faith through your practice. And it can be applied besides health, but it's specifically targeted there. It's a tremendous teaching and training tool. How many of you have been to Perspectives Course? How many about know about it? You've been to, okay? Uh, I, it ruined Becky's in my life about some years ago. And, uh, I encourage you to go online to teach, it shows you how to get there this 15-week class on biblical, historical, cultural, and strategic perspectives on the world Christian movement. It's it's literally life-changing. And then one of the warnings we give our team is careful. This comes with a warning. One of our goals is to take everybody on the team to location country X, but our goal is not to bring you all back because God's going to get some of you full-time and then God's going to get some of you to come back and change your community so you have a heart for the world and... Our list is growing and growing and growing of people who went and didn't come back. How many of you know the story of William Borden? Anybody know that story? Uh, You can go online Google it. But uh, his three words were no reserve, no retreat, and on his deathbed he said, I got no regrets. And I hope that's the way you live because remember it's not about us. It's all about him. All right? You see the resources there? Let me pray for you as you go. Father... Help us to be able to process all that we're absorbing these days. It's kind of like drinking out of a fire hydrant. But we know there's some specific gems for each of us to take and apply and flesh out so that we can become more like you and follow the example of Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you.